Good afternoon. First Thursday of the month, which means we have the privilege of spending an hour with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. Mayor, is always welcome, and thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure. We have uh, so much to get to, and I want to start with a, a pretty lengthy presentation before the City Council this week. Uh, Doug Brown from City Water, Light, and Power went through uh, really a lot of things, just sort of a state of the utility right now. Uh, and obviously, uh, a lot of our attention most recently has been focused on will the electric grid hold up? Will the power be there when we need it? And so far, despite some really hot days, so far so good on that. So I want to focus on some other things that came up uh, during the course of this presentation to start with. Uh, number one, he uh, talked briefly about the uh, the utilities project to replace uh, the lead water service lines. We have uh, a, still a fairly substantial number of uh, water lines with lead in them, and we know the hazards that lead can, can cause uh, for children in particular. So what's the status of that effort to finally get all the lead out of those water service lines all over the city? Yeah, it's the uh, lines that lead up to a house, you know, uh, with regards to connecting up to the utility lines. And so there's thousands of uh, households uh, really in the inner city are that way. We do have $2 million this year in the budget and then $2 million next year's uh, budgets through, you know, federal grants that have helped. And that will do just $2 million. That will do about 300 households. So uh, we do have to per, I think it's state regulations, within 20 years, come up with a plan of action to, um, you know, provide that assistance uh, to, you know, remediate all those lines. And again, if you do have, you know, that older infrastructure, the real key to that or anything associated with the waters, let it run for a while, flush it out, you know, especially in houses that sit, you know, stagnant for a while. If you go somewhere for the winter time and come back, it's always good to flush out the lines, so to speak. And uh, that uh, helps remediate some of the issues that might arise. Does everybody who has one of these lead service lines know that they have it? I mean, should you just assume if your house is over a certain age that, that you've got that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, I would have to check on the age. I know it's well over 50 years of age, but uh, I would have to check on the exact time frame. But, uh, you know, for the newer homes, you don't have to worry about it. You know, we had a house in Glen Eyre uh, subdivision that was built in, I think, the 1970s. Didn't have to worry about it then, but I think it's those prior to that that, uh, you know, like I said, the inner city that you'd have to worry about. The other aspect of it, you know, with economic development, we have Krista Colas. Um, she's a new uh, director or community development block grant funds and she had lead um, you know abatement experience and she's applied for um, lead on a different level that's with paint and uh, things with the older homes and so we did receive a multi-million dollar grant from the uh, federal government to mitigate those along with the healthy ho house grant so those five million dollars will do the other aspect of a house that might have uh, you know uh, you know, like I said, lead paint in it or some type of other issues associated with environmental um, initiatives. Another pretty big undertaking for the utility is to uh, work on getting more electric vehicle charging stations put in place around town. And they're trying to get uh, some of the more modern technology that provides a faster, a better charge to it. Uh, what What's the long range game plan here? How many of these charging stations will we have? Where will they go? Will people have to pay to use them? How does that work? Well, uh, we 
have Public Works and CWLP working on the initiative, and what we did is uh, hire traffic areas along with, um, you know, our downtown, especially parking ramps. Uh, we would have uh, those set up in prominent spots. Uh, we're really looking at uh, the uh, two and uh, three uh, electric uh, charging stations. The three is the fastest. It's my understanding you can charge within like 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, the two, I think it takes uh, about four hours or so to charge up. And so that would be someone that would park downtown or park when they're shopping, something of that nature. Uh, so that's what we're looking to do throughout the city. Uh, what we have the advantage of is our own infrastructure with the electric side of things. But uh, we'll, we have it out for an RFP, and then uh, we hope to get those back uh, within a month or so and then start uh, really uh, – you know, and analyzing those and moving forward in a direction. Uh, of course, we're looking for grant funds, and there's supposed to be a plethora of that coming down through the federal government or the state government. Uh, I did have initial conversations with the governor's office that was interested in our ability to move that direction. They didn't make any commitments or anything, but, um, you know, we want to be on the forefront for those type of activities when grant funds are available. Do you have any uh, set objectives as far as the number of these charging stations or a timeline to get them operational? Well, timeline you'd want them within a year i mean we have some in you know springfield already you have the private sector right. so what's the combination of the private sector with public sector i know the chamber they've looked at uh, you know potentially uh, coming up with some type of program but the ones that have them now i know for sure are hyvee walmart things of that nature but we'd want to select uh, from that rfp uh, someone this year and then so we can uh, hopefully have some in place by spring of next year. And would the plan be to, to charge people to, to use these? If you go downtown to park, you park in one of the ramps, plug in your car, you'll have to pay for that, that charging time? Well, that's a good question. On the electric side, you would think that the uh, cost of electricity, it's not that much, but I view it more like the ATM machine. Remember ATMs? You used to be able to use it free, and then all of a sudden they start charging to pay for the infrastructure. So that's what we'll have to really take a look at is what's available through grants, uh, because, you know, we don't have the capacity to underwrite the charges of that, but there will probably be some charge with regards to the electricity side of things, um, and we'll have to come up with our own scale uh, as time goes on. Well, I don't have to pay for my bank's ATM, so if I'm a city <laughs> resident, can I charge for free? But if I'm a visitor from outside, then, well, then well, I have to pay? I think we'll take a look at all options, so um, that's uh, something I'm not adept at, but uh, it'd be good to have Doug Brown on or when we get the RFP and make that selection. That's going to be a more detailed discussion and really look at other what have other communities have done throughout the country and it's really in its infancy stage but uh, again the benefit is we do have our own electric uh, infrastructure so that is an added benefit uh, you know to potentially get a revenue source coming in and diversifying our ability to um, you know support our utility as we're talking uh, with mayor jim langfelder about some of the uh, items brought up in a big presentation of the city council by cwlp this week and they uh, talked again about something we've uh, reported on in the past and that is this a uh, big carbon capture project that's going to be underway here in the next year or so. Uh, it, just to, again, give us a quick layman's explanation of what this is intended to do and why it's so important for the utility. Well, the carbon capture, we did a pilot program, and it was just a small version of it. Uh, that was with partnership with the University of Illinois, and um, they did the test, and it captured the carbon and it uh, saved probably or took out extracted 98 percent of the emissions that's typically emitted and then they'd use that as a byproduct for fertilizer or, you know asphalt things of that nature um but 
so now we're on to the next phase, which is a multi-million dollar uh, project. I think it's like $30 million. Uh, but we did receive a grant uh, from the state of Illinois and an additional one through the federal government to do the next phase of the pilot. So that's a larger footprint. And if that proves as successful, they'll open up the doors for uh, going full process with Dolman 4 and making a carbon capture. So if you look at the emissions, uh, capturing 98% of the pollutants that, uh, you know, the environmental agencies or advocates are, you know, concerned about, that will really change the dynamic of having that balance of power uh, using uh, coal in a more uh, efficient manner, but also it opens up economic opportunities for uh, in China or India, the other ones that pollute to their heart's content. And so really it'll be a global game changer, not on the environmental side, but also on the economic side, where we'll have that technology produced right here in Springfield, but can be used worldwide. Could that also uh, allow us to potentially leave Dolman 4 up and running longer than what current Illinois green energy policy would allow? Well, that's what uh, I'd have to dive into. I would think it would. I think uh, what we're experiencing, especially with the, um, you know, the potential blackouts, uh, by the way, that is when we had our discussions with MISO, it was less than 10 percent chance of having that happen. Uh, but they felt it what it probably would not happen. But if it does, that's the uh, percentage. And but uh, they also think it could be more likely next summer. We could see uh, an even more yeah, uh, but they problematic didn't, they situation. They didn't give a percentage. Yeah. But what you have to do is forewarn the public, you know, so right. people understand what's ahead of them. But what we're looking at is what's the proper balance of power? Because when you flip the switch, you hope something turns on or air conditioning or heat, whatever the case may be. And so that's what we want to have done is have that proper balance of power. And this could definitely uh, move forward in that direction where you would have solar, wind energy, and this uh, natural gas, of course, and this could be a, another uh, potential use of power. Another uh, interesting point that came up during this discussion, one of the challenges the utility is facing is that it, it's uh, facing the prospect of losing a lot of its experienced linemen. And I think it was Alderman Hanauer uh, who uh, brought this up and, and uh, uh, Doug Brown mentioned that, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, CWP employees who just want to live out in the country, but we've got oh, a residency right. requirement. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so they can't, uh, they can't do that and, and have those utility jobs. Uh, this is one of the things that we talked about a lot when residency was, was put back in place for most of the city unions and city employees. Is that a problem here? And I mean, are we at risk of losing really good, talented, experienced people because we have this residency rule in place when I'm not sure your skill as a lineman depends upon where you live? Well, on that, uh, I hear more the uh, your pay scale. Uh, you know, we're in a competitive market. I hear more that that happens than uh, what Alderman Hanhauer brought up. And, of course, the council members, they're getting people in their ear about wanting to move out of the city. The uh, value of having that in place is we, you know, we train our linemen, we train our firefighters, we train our... We, we train our police officers and all our uh, uh, employees to a high level, and we pay great salaries. So we want to make sure that investment is uh, multiplied within the city of Springfield because what you have seen through the years is people, you know, they call it white flight. Uh, the people have moved out into the rural areas, and it is at the detriment of the inner city of the city of Springfield. So it's really incumbent upon all of us to really retain the talent we have. How do we get our young people in 
involved, show them the opportunities that we have here. And, uh, you know, that's one of the initiatives we're trying to bring forward with Calvin Pitts and Bone Training Center, uh, where we put hands-on training to uh, really uh, save our infrastructure housing, create affordable housing while we do the job training. And that would open up people's interest to other, whether it's the crafts of plumbing, electrical, or whatever the case may be, that would help um, bring greater numbers to the forefront that would fulfill those type of lineman jobs. But I did ask Doug about uh, recently, and Scott Rogers, who runs the plant, uh, how are we on Lyman? And he felt, uh, you know, they felt comfortable where we're at. We're bringing in um, a new group this year. But, uh, you know, with the years forthcoming, they didn't see a shortage. They thought we would be meeting the need. Finally, Lake 2, Hunter mm-hmm. Lake, where are we? Uh, well, we did uh, have a new um, adjunct general uh, with regards to the Army Corps. When you have a change of administrations, that's what happens. So it's uh, kind of a re-educating them on uh, where we're at. All right, we are back with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder and uh, lots to talk about here today, uh, including Mayor. It got a little bit uh, a little bit contentious at the meeting the other night when there was supposed to be a vote on new ward maps for the city of Springfield, and then that vote did not happen because apparently some aldermen may want to, uh, to try to tweak those uh, maps a little bit. It, you know, it seems to me this is pretty important because the, the final map and how the wards shake out may uh, help some people decide, you know, I'm going to run for re-election, maybe run for something else, maybe run for, I don't know, <laughs> mayor, perhaps. So what what's going on with the uh, with the ward maps here? And, uh, I mean, it, we're going to see some pretty big changes anyway. Lots of people can find themselves with different wards and different representation than what they've had. Right. Um, with regards to uh, the races, if you're concerned about uh, the boundaries, you wouldn't want to run for mayor. That's citywide. And <laughs> same with treasurer and clerk. But uh, I understand the uh, logistics and really the driving factor of this is the consent decree. So uh, the uh, majority of the minority have to be, or the minority population has to be uh, the majority of one ward, and that's Ward 2. So that's the driving factor on the uh, uh, demographics, and we build it out from there. And regional planning, Molly Burns, her group's done a great job. So I think it's just a, a couple of council members that are uh, concerned how much of a change it is. And I really haven't looked at the uh, boundaries, if they're meandering or not, because uh, it's always a concern if you are, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in just rectangles or, you know, things are, you know, nice and neat and you don't have to walk throughout the entire city. Um, you know, kind of, kind of like what Rodney Davis had to do on the state level. Right. You know, is all throughout the state. You don't want that happening. And so I think that's what they're trying to figure out is what makes sense. And we'll have a resolution to that. We did ask that they uh, submit them in writing to the uh, council coordinator's office so everybody has an understanding what's uh, being discussed. And what you want to do is make sure you don't impact. You want to have uh, the impact on as few precincts as as you can because you don't want any split precincts because it's hard to do a recount that we've experienced in the last election. And and they worked really hard to, to meet that criteria and put together maps that, that uh, seemed to, to uh, achieve that. Uh, and now we, we might juggle that all up again. I mean, if I were the Regional Planning Commission, I would just be banging my head against a desk right about now. Well, Molly didn't seem too concerned, no. which was good. And so uh, I think it's just, I don't think they're talking drastic changes. I think it might be a precinct here or there, but uh, you really have to take a look at one that uh, the population you try to keep all the wards the same population but also the uh, diversity within that 
populated area but again the split precinct so those are the three parameters we take a look at so uh, they're supposed to bring it forward so they can have that discussion next Tuesday and so it'll be interesting to see how much of a change if any uh, happened but we had, did have several council members said their wards fine as is yeah. and so uh, w and really uh, the mayor typically should not or does not get involved because it's really the council members map because as you pointed out it's the wards that we're talking about and we run uh, as a city as a whole did um uh, did i understand correctly in that discussion that uh, petition circulation for the city elections next year start in august is that right Right. Uh, you know, it's late August, early September. That's how it's usually uh, been. But uh, I guess it's uh, this time it'll be August, late August. So uh, that's usually right after the fair. People will get at it and uh, move forward that direction. They have to be in uh, in December. That's when the filing period is. So uh, uh, we're going to have to make some decisions here pretty soon. You you still running for a third term? Uh, yes, sir. All as right. announced here. Yeah, well, you, yeah, but, but you <laughs> also said to it. as it stands today, you, you've always had that qualifier in <laughs> there. True. But you're, you're no, And I'm we haven't had camp. a formal <laughs> announcement yet, right. but, uh, but nothing's Definitely. changed in that regard. All right, we're back with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. So much to get to. Mayor, let's uh, return to something we've talked about quite a bit in recent months, and that is the ordinance on pedestrians and meeting strips and on the roadways. You have said a couple of times you just want an up or down vote, and right. yet this past week they tossed out one version of the ordinance, and there's a brand new version of it now that goes to setting specific intersections and bas basically saying this is a public safety issue. You can't be in the median strips, divided highway with the, uh, you know, uh, working traffic lights and things. I is this going to be the one that, that finally takes and finally gets to this issue of people out there asking for money at these busy intersections? Well, it's, uh, yeah, there'll be a vote on that. That's one Corporation Council was comfortable with. Uh, other cities have done it this way. For myself, it's always been a safety issue, so I feel, you know, any, there shouldn't be anybody in the medians. Um, but, you know, that's what it comes down to is, uh, you know, mine's always safety. I think where it got bollocked up is to talk about panhandling and, uh, you know, kind of uh, mixing uh, the message there, and especially at the city council level, we start talking about it and it always goes into that. But this is really a safety aspect. And so uh, I think it's signalized medians uh, throughout the city is how they have it. Yeah, but, well, people were, are really only standing out there to ask for money. They're not really out there for, for any other reason. And, and of course, we've had, as I said, other variations <laughs> on this ordinance. And the ACLU of Illinois has come back and said, you're stopping people from their constitutionally protected right to ask people for money how confident are you you're not going to get another challenge on this and maybe another court fight over this well that's uh that's what i rely on corporation counsel for but the version i wanted was the first one you know where it's just all medians and move forward from there but um their mind was actually intersections period but i understand the uh, logistics that we're in so this is one that they felt confident in and again like i said other cities have done it uh this way and it's uh, met the uh, i guess the mustered with regards to that and move forward in that direction so you know it's everybody it's just not one particular entity or but it's uh, regardless what you're doing car wash or you know firefighters asking for uh, money or others uh, it's going to treat everybody equally and that'd be the same with the other one again I, I that's why this one pertains to safety specifically and has that justification we've had a really interesting issue uh, in the last uh, few weeks
weeks as it pertains to getting more uh, residential space in downtown Springfield. There was a proposal to uh, convert some parts of the Myers building downtown and have a lot of that be for uh, lower income housing. Uh, there's talk about uh, converting uh, most of the, the Wyndham Hotel, 30 stories high, but converting that into predominantly residential housing as well. But there's been concerns about that, that we just don't need that much uh, additional residential space down there. Uh, give me your thoughts on, uh, you know, these projects and, uh, you know, what's your philosophy as it pertains to having more of these residential units downtown? Yeah, on the, uh, the Myers building one, uh, that's one where developer, both projects, the developers bringing their plan that uh, they've used in other cities and want to uh, work it here in Springfield. And really, you have to take a look at each individual city. We have, every city has different housing needs. But with the Myers building, the low-income one, we did have uh, Andirondack that was looking to develop the uh, vacant parcel of property um, in downtown right across from the train station. It's between uh, um, uh, 4th and 5th. Uh, and turn that into uh, uh, workforce housing. And so we got behind that. It was already zoned by city council. We were going to do a targeted TIF, applied for tax credits through Illinois Housing Development Authority, and they turned it down uh, because they felt the density is already there on the affordable housing side because they've awarded Poplar Place, or in the process of that, Helping Hands received uh, $5 million plus as well as Pinewood Apartments off of Chatham Road, and there's a, a Nehemiah expansion, which 40 new houses. So um, they want to see how that goes and then determine what the next steps are for tax credits. So that's the direction of that, why that one went south. But we did have another developer that uh, we were aware of that had an interest in Springfield, and he's done a walkthrough of the Myers building and uh, is really considering uh, making a market rate. He's an architect, so he sees the value of uh, uh, retaining the integrity or turning it back to the way it was uh, originally structured. Now, the one on the Wyndham, it's, uh, a lot of people might not realize it's already zoned for 200 a hotel uh, and then 200 apartment units, but the uh, new buyers or potential buyers wanted to turn it all into housing. Uh, we have convention space that we're concerned about. We want to make sure that we could fulfill the obligations already and keep that conventions going. And so that was more towards um, retaining, you know, 100 units lease. So that's what we're trying to work through is, uh, is there a balance that would uh, make sure it's operational and make sure we meet the uh, convention and tourist needs of Springfield in uh, capacity with the housing needs downtown that'd be market rate and the one aspect that he did mention is bringing that density 24 7 downtown would help support your storefronts your restaurants and other retail spaces um, that you know we desperately need as well do you, do you think you can work out something on the Wyndham space and come to uh, an agreement that uh, has what you think would be the appropriate balance between hotel rooms and apartments? Well, we're in this changing dynamic. You know, the uh, convention and, you know, tourists, uh, that hasn't rebounded totally. We're on the rebound. Um, but we do have a sports complex that's coming that we would need, um, you know, a hotel space. But right now, in the occupancy, he's uh, they were stating it's below 40% occupancy. So uh, that's what the balancing act is. But in answer to your question, I think we could get there. But, uh, 
you know, we have to have the details with regards to we cannot give up the zoning without having the deliverables. So that's without, you know, we have to make sure that it is the market rate housing that we'd want, uh, that there's the aspect of the hotel uh, that is uh, logistically viable uh, from the tourism standpoint. We had uh, Scott Dahl in there as well as the president of the Hotel Motel Lodging Association, Darren Dane, and the discussions and, uh, you know, working in conjunction with the developer. So we'll ha there's still work to be done, but uh, the zoning has to be tied to the deliverables of the project. Uh, there was a really lengthy discussion this week about uh, Enos Park and their neighborhood association has been working for a long time to try to rehabilitate uh, properties over there. They're running into financial hard times trying to uh, to get that project uh, finished and have come back to the city asking for more assistance. Uh, again, this is a, a really complex issue, but can you sort of boil it down as to what the need is, where that stands? There, there did seem to be some resistance on the part of Alderman. Yeah, actually, this is a residential TIF, and uh, they've done a great job of uh, demolishing dilapidated properties. They've, uh, you know, kind of uh, brought forward 50 affordable housing or housing units from their uh, years of efforts, and now they're at a situation where they're kind of upside down, where they have 73 properties that they don't have the capacity to develop, and so that's what they're asking the city to do, and actually, we've approached them a few years back to say, you know, we were saying, why are you paying property taxes on these properties where we'd rather have you take your resources and put it into development. And so I think they're realizing that uh, they are in debt to a bank uh, associated with it, but coming under the realm of the city, you, they wouldn't have the property tax um, you know, payments that they'd have to do, they'd be able to extinguish their debt and uh, we'd move forward and they'd help with the efforts of development. So it does make sense from that standpoint because it's not feasible from the financial standpoint to carry on the way they have been. Uh, but given that they have gotten underwater doing this, I mean, <laughs> is this financially viable? Are we throwing good money after bad uh, for, for the city if you put in a whole bunch more cash into this project? Well, actually, it's just uh, putting in the cash for the purchase of property is what it comes down to. So it's, I think it's uh, about, I'm going from memory, approximately $289,000, somewhere around there. Um, so that's what we're looking to do. And it, uh, you know, it's really the maintenance of the pro uh, the uh, properties. How are we going to do that? But that's one of the things we'll have to work towards. And there is a um, strategic master plan that they have. So there'd be infill development and moving that direction. Uh, and we'd work with Enos Park to make that happen. So uh, what happens if we don't do it, then it goes for tax sale without a doubt. Uh, and then you don't know who buys the properties. And I think it spirals into a different direction that we might have um, more cleanup rather than less cleanup to do. Uh, there was some discussion as well about the possibility of Alderwoman Purchase uh, having a conflict of interest. I guess she's had a, a financial involvement in this project over the years prior to becoming a, a member of the city council. Ha have we determined yet whether or not uh, there is a conflict there that she'd have to recuse herself from this? Uh, Corporation Council, that's one of the aspects he's looking at. Uh, it was that. It was the maintaining of the properties. And then uh, with regards to the property sales themselves, uh, having the approval of the Enos Park Association. Um, but I think we'd be able to work through all that. But in answer to your question, uh, I haven't not heard a definitive answer yet. But uh, she does live in Enos Park. Uh, she has uh, refurbished properties there. So uh, right now she's not involved with uh, the Enos Park Association at that level. But uh, you know, I told her that night, I said, I'm going to vote on this issue. So you should look at the votes. And if you don't have to vote, don't vote. And it takes away that argument.
All right, just a few minutes left for Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder, and it's time for the lightning round now. And, Mayor, you made reference in the uh, meeting the other night to uh, a new master plan the city has in the works. Tell me uh, about that and, and what that would accomplish. Well, actually, it uh, springboards off the Bowen master plan. Uh, that was the housing study for downtown. And then the Enos Park, uh, which we just referenced, uh, it's a way to integrate both those and update the plans for the medical district and downtown. So it's looking at not only housing, but also infrastructure needs and kind of, uh, you know, with all the development happening uh, with regards to the 4th Street, to the Capitol Complex, we're trying to tie in what the medical community is doing and tie that all together to have a master plan for both downtown and the medical district. And I, we did an RFP. They vetted the um, entities and I think they've decided on a um, uh, uh, planner uh, that they're going with, but uh, I don't think that announcement's been made quite yet. Okay, and do we know when that uh, that plan would be uh, presented back to the city? Is that... Uh... Yeah, it'd be within a year's time frame, so uh, I look for that announcement to come forward. Actually, I was in a meeting with the state fairgrounds. You know, they have a uh, master plan funded by the um, Community Foundation of the Land of Lincoln in partnership with the state, and they're interviewing stakeholders, and the gentleman that was there said, oh, well, we're involved with the medical district downtown master plan i said well that's the one that we're helping fund so i was stayed out of that process we were participating uh participating in it but that's with the ssga as well as downtown springfield um and the medical community uh your library director summer beck griffith uh won confirmation this week and it wound up being unanimous even though there had been a couple of aldermen who had, had expressed some reservations uh initially because she didn't have a degree in library sciences uh, what do you think brought everybody around well i think the uh, overwhelming support from staff i think and also community members uh, nancy huntley former library director who everybody you know holds in high regard uh came out in her support and really we do have you know the way uh, summer has uh, brought forward her plan of action. I think that was uh, eye-opener for everybody. But she also structured the reporting where you do have uh, Curtis Mann do the outreach on the history part. And then internally, we have Emily Stone as a uh, assistant director, both have library degrees, but the communication degree, the master's of communications that uh, Summer has, and de-escalation, things of that nature, is invaluable for that uh, type of leadership that we need to move forward in that direction. And finally, Mayor, only about 30 seconds left. Uh, where are we standing on the uh, pop-up parties? We had the police chief on a couple of weeks back and haven't heard much about those uh, since then. Uh, making progress? Oh, without a doubt, he's been very proactive, and uh, really the key to that is engagement, community engagement getting people to provide feedback, and we are getting a, a notification ahead of time. But uh, we are being uh, proactive and reactionary as much as possible to uh, put a damper on that. And the weather also helps. You know, when it rains on the weekend, that really puts a damper on things.